We've all heard stories being described as a David versus Goliath story. Whether in the seriousness of a war with a, with a heavy underdog versus an overwhelming power, or maybe on a much lighter note, a, a sporting event where one team is heavily favored and, and the other team has very little chance of winning. It's described as David versus Goliath. And obviously, if you've been in the church at all, you know where that phrase originated from the original David versus Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. The story of a teenage Israelite defeating a giant Philistine warrior and Israel having an amazing victory. But before we get to the story, let's review our our introduction from David last week. God had taken the kingdom of Israel from Saul, and Samuel was sent to Bethlehem to the family of Jesse to anoint a new king. And if you remember the story, Jesse was called to bring his sons there, and and Samuel was going to anoint one as king, and, and so he went through, and the first one that came up, the oldest son, Eliab, some pronounce it Eliab, but Eliab, the oldest, and he came, and Samuel was mesmerized by just the physical stature of Eliab. This guy looked incredible. But God reminded Samuel, Samuel, this isn't man's choice. God speaking, this is my choice. Now, God was involved in in Saul as king, and for the first part of his kingship, and Saul reigned for 40 years, in the first part, he he did pretty well. But then as time went on, pride and jealousy began to overtake his attitude, and and Saul turned his back on God and and ended his... uh, his kingship in disaster. But we see that, that as, they, as Samuel was there to anoint a king, David, who wasn't even invited to the anointing ceremony, was, had to be brought in later, child number eight, the runt of the litter. So as he came, he was anointed. But as Samuel looked upon Eliab and was said, surely this is God's choice, God reminded him, man looks on the outward appearance but God looks on the heart. And so we see that that David was anointed as king. He did not have the physical traits of a king at the time, but he was a man of character. And God saw the character in David. Character that we saw demonstrated in chapter 16. Character that's once again demonstrated here in chapter 17. So the story What's taking place here in in chapter 17? Again, if you've been to church at any amount of time in your life, if you grew up in in Sunday school, even if you haven't, you've heard the story of David and Goliath. And it's so easy just sort of to skim over the story and say, that was pretty incredible, and and leave it at that. But we see the, the story... And we're going to spend some time today looking at maybe some, some other aspects of the story. But the story in a nutshell, the Israelites and the Philistines were at war. They were enemies. And here in chapter 17, they're battling in a valley called the, in a valley, called the valley of Elah. It was not too far from David's hometown of Bethlehem. 
David's three oldest brothers were part of the Israelite army, and so they were involved in the battle. But the, the battle takes a turn as we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 4. It says this, in fo- verses 4 and following, it says, And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and a shield bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you will be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all, the Is- and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So... Goliath said, all right, let's not have everybody battling together. Let's just, you pick a man, I'll, I'll be the representative of the Philistines, and we'll fight. Whoever wins one-on-one, their army will be declared the winner, and the other army will be the servants, and, and that nation that wins, whoever wins, I or the other guy, that nation will be victorious. Well, the Israelites, what did they do? They cowered in fear. This guy was a giant. They hid. But David was sent by his father to go and check on his brothers who were in the army and and to bring them some food and see how they were doing. So he shows up and, and Goliath is on day 41 of making that same challenge morning and night. So the other army, the, the army of Israel had been hearing this 80 times. But David comes to the battlefield and he hears and he says, well, I'll fight him. And as you remember the story, he he met with Saul and Saul was not convinced, but finally Saul gave him the go ahead and, and we'll fast forward to the end of the story. David goes, he runs to meet the giant. David has a sling and some stones and he goes and the giant comes towards him and David shoots or slings the, the stone and it hits the giant right in the forehead. Goliath falls over. David takes Goliath's sword, cuts off his head. The Israelites win an incredible victory and God is glorified. That's the story. But you know, there were many battles that David faced that day. Many battles that led him to the place where he could battle Goliath. And this morning I'd like to look at some of those battles that David faced on that day that he defeated Goliath. First battle is the the battle with disobedience. David chose to obey the authorities that God had placed in his life. And he needed to obey those authorities before he was able to enter the battlefield. Chapter 17, verse 20 says this, So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took the things, and, notice these next words, went as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. He obeyed 
what his father asked him to do. Now, we saw that last week, and, and you think David had just been anointed king, and what did he do? He went back and took care of the sheep, a very menial and unappreciated job. But God has authorities in our lives that, that we're to obey, and when we choose to disobey our authorities, oftentimes we miss out on the big battle as we would consider it that God has for us. You look at Saul himself. Saul disqualified himself from being king because of his disobedience to God. Oftentimes in our lives, we never get to the battle with Goliath because we've veered off in our own plans, our own choices much earlier. But David was faithful in obeying. And his obedience brought him to the battlefield. So we see not only did he have a battle with disobedience that he won, but he had a battle with Eliab, his older brother. So David comes, he hears the threat from Goliath, the challenge that Goliath had made, and so he starts to talk to people, what's going on here? And, and his brother Eliab hears that, that David is asking questions and is interested in fighting the giant, and Eliab is angry. Eliab comes, and we see in verses 28 through 30, Eliab's anger displayed towards David. It says, beginning in verse 28, Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Eliab questions, questioned David's motive. Why have you come down here? He also questioned David's value. With whom have you left those few sheep? And I'm sure he emphasized the few. In other words, David, you're just here to watch the battle. And you don't even have much value. I mean, you just have a little job. Not like us warriors here at the battlefield. I want to take a small side note here, a little, a little detour. What caused Eliab to act toward David the way he did? I think it was because Eliab was facing and failing in his own fear. You see, Saul should have been in the first one in line to fight Goliath. It says, we read that last week, that, that Saul was head and shoulders above all the other people of Israel. He was a, a dominating figure. But there's another dominating figure that we know about in this story, and that's the man Eliab. I mean, he was so impressive that when Samuel saw him, first thing he thought was, this is the one. But both Saul and Eliab had chosen not to face the giant. So what did Eliab do? Instead of fighting a giant, he chose to fight a little brother. You know, we can have that same struggle. 
We see it often in our lives. When we, when we fail or fear in an area of our life, it, it comes out in ungodly attitudes in other areas. A simple example, if a person, you see it in, in marriages and struggles all the time, if a person's struggling at work and feeling like a failure there, what happens? They go home and take it out on the ones who are closest to them. And they think if, if, if they can focus on maybe a, a failure in their spouses or their kids or their parents or whoever's life, someone close to them, then, then the light's not shining on them and their failure, their fear. But you notice how David won this battle. Eliab was way out of line. <laughs> he was questioning David's pride and David's motive. Eliab needed to look in the mirror. But how did David respond? He did two things, and I think both of them are vital. First of all, he, he reminded Eliab of the importance of the cause. This giant is defying the armies of Israel, and more than that, he's defying God. And we as God's servants, as God's followers, need to stand with God against this ungodly giant. He did that. But then, notice what it says there in, in the beginning, or the next phrase there. Verse, the beginning of verse 30, it says, Then he turned, then David turned from Eliab toward another. He reminded Eliab of the importance of the battle, but then he walked away from the fight. And that is so important. You see, Eliab was the critic. And David recognized that the battle with Goliath was much more important than the battle with Eliab. And so he turned his back on the fight with his older brother in order to focus on the battle that was truly important, the battle with Goliath. But how many times do we squabble and, and fight over insignificant people or insignificant things with other people when we miss what's most important the responsibility and the goal that we have as servants of God to follow him in his will. But David won the battle with Eliab, but that wasn't the last battle that day. You see, he also had a battle with Saul. And this battle is a little different because Saul actually looks like he's on David's side. You know, Eliab was the critic, the pessimist. Saul was the realist. And oftentimes it's the realist that keep us from fighting the giant. Notice what it says in verses 31 through 33. It says, Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail him because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. You see, Saul questioned David's ability. You're just a kid. You're a young teenager. Now, I have a feeling there, there's maybe a little more, David, I appreciate your heart. I appreciate your, your passion. That's great. But let's think about this realistically. 
And then Saul shared, you know, David, this, this giant's big, <laughs> and you're not. So maybe you should rethink this idea of fighting against the giant. The battle from the realist. Appreciate your heart. Oh, yeah, you want to you you work in that ministry? <laughs> That's great, but, you know, are you sure? Or, yeah, you, you want to reach out to your neighbor and, and, and show God's love and, and share God's work in your life with them, but are you really sure? What happens if they respond negatively? And that realist just sort of destroys our hope and our desire. Now, as we will see in just a minute, David knew the exact response. He, he reminded Saul of God. Hey, uh, Saul, don't forget God. <laughs> He's the same God that's been protecting me in other battles. He'll protect me now. And so he won the battle with Saul. But that leads us to what was definitely can be considered the greatest battle on this day, and that's the battle with fear. And there's a great contrast between how the army of Israel handled the fear and how David handled the fear. They both saw the same giant, but they responded totally differently. How did the people, how did the army respond? Notice verse 24. It says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Fear causes us to freeze when we allow fear to control us. Also, fear causes us to question God. Question His control of the situation. Question His care for us. In Mark chapter 4, verse 38, Jesus and the disciples were on a boat and a giant storm came up. Now, you have to remember, several of these disciples were fishermen. They, were, they knew boats. And they knew the Sea of Galilee. They were very familiar with what was going on. And this storm was so bad that they thought, we're going to die. There's nothing we can do. But notice in verse 38 of Mark chapter 4, their response to Jesus. Jesus is asleep. And notice what they say. It's pretty amazing. They say, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Don't you care that we're going to die? You see, the soldiers couldn't see God because they couldn't look past Goliath. But David couldn't help but see God and recognize that he was the one who was in control of the situation. David did not fear the power of Goliath because he recognized the power of God. 
Notice what it says in verses 34 through 37, continuing on in this dialogue between Saul and David. It says, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth, and when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. A couple things to recognize here. If you read those first verses all the way up through verse 33, no one except David has mentioned God. David is the only one who has. And he mentions him a lot here. And finally, in verse 34, someone other than David mentions the Lord. It says in verse 34, And Saul said to David, Go and the Lord... Or verse 37, excuse me. Saul said, Go and the Lord be with you. You see, David could face his fear, and the fear was real, and the enemy was powerful, but he could face his fear fear and stand with courage because he recognized the power of God. David did not fear because he had seen God give the victory in his life in the past. David did not fear because he recognized the importance of the battle that he was fighting. David did not fear because he was confident that God had given him the tools necessary for the victory. By the way, those tools weren't the armor that Saul offered to give him. By the way, armor that Saul should have been wearing going to fight Goliath. But instead, here, David, try on my size. Oh, yeah, yeah, 52 long, you're a 38 short. Probably won't fit, but go ahead and try it anyway. But he recognized that God had prepared him for the giant Goliath on the hillsides fighting the bear and the lion And every other aspect and point in his life that he had seen God in control. It's fascinating throughout the Old Testament when you look at the nation of Israel. Whenever God talks about hope, he always also says, remember. You can have the victory. Remember when. In fact, they would do something very interesting, and you see this several times mentioned in the Old Testament. They would have, they would have memorials. Like, for instance, when they crossed the Red Sea, they took 12 stones to represent the 12 tribes of Israel as a reminder that God had led them over the Red Sea into the Promised Land, or over the Jordan River, excuse me, into the Promised Land. And so they took these stones from the Jordan River and they placed them on the hillside so whenever they were wondering, is God really there? Is God for us? They could look at those stones and be reminded of God's faithfulness. In just a few minutes, we're going to be having communion, a reminder of God's faithfulness in providing us salvation. And David said, listen, Saul, yeah, he's a big giant, but we don't need to fear because our God is bigger. Fear is one of our greatest obstacles in doing God's will. 
Instead of focusing on the power of God, we focus on the size of the enemy and we freeze in fear. But now we come to the battle we've all been waiting for, the battle with Goliath. But David had to win the previous battles before he got to Goliath. He had to win the battle with disobedience. He chose to obey. He had to win the battle with Eliab. He did not allow the critic to take him down. He won the battle with Saul as he reminded Saul that God was with him and God could give him the victory. And he won the battle with fear as he recognized God was more powerful than any enemy he would face. And now he was prepared for the battle with Goliath. Notice what it says in verses 45 through 47. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, and all the, or that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands now six times in those three verses David mentioned the Lord or God he knew exactly where to look he knew where his strength came from so Goliath laughs at this child that Israel was sending out to fight against him and if you read the previous verses, verses 41 through 44, you'll see Goliath's statement, you know, what are you doing sending a little child to fight me? I'm going to take you and I'm going to tear you apart. And, and my gods will control the situation. Now it's fascinating that Goliath was trusting in his gods because one of the main deities, and again they're idols, of the Philistines was a god, small g, called Dagon. And if you go back some chapters to, to chapters 4 and 5 of 1 Samuel, you'll see that, that the Philistines and the Israelites were going to battle. This was before even King Saul had been crowned king. That was in chapters 8 and 9. And so we see that, that the Israelites are fighting against the Philistines, and the Israelites are very fearful, and they're looking for any advantage they can get. So they decide to bring the Ark of the Covenant to the battle, which completely went against God. That was not what they were supposed to do. But they chose to do it. They had the battle. The Philistines routed the Israelites. And the Philistines, as part of the, the bounty that they had gotten or the booty that they had taken, they, they took the ark and they brought it to the worship place of Dagon. And, and they, they brought the ark in celebration. They brought it before their god Dagon and had it sitting there. Look at this, this thing of their god, the Israelites' god. We've captured it and we're giving it as worship to you, Dagon. So they get up early the next morning. And this idol, Dagon, was fall, had fallen flat on his face in front of the ark. Must have been a wind last night. Didn't, didn't hear about it. 
So they, they set the idol Dagon back up, and the ark was still out in front of it. You know, Dagon, you're the greatest. We worship you. And, and the next morning, they come to the, to the worship place of Dagon, and it's happened again. And this time, though, Dagon's head is broken off, and its arms are broken off. So what did the Philistines do? They, uh, they got the Ark of the Covenant out of there and they, and they took it to the very edge of Israel and said, you can keep your Ark thing. We don't want this anymore. It caused lots of issues for the Philistines. So that's the God that Goliath was calling on to give him victory over the little kid that was coming to fight him. So we see that according to human reasoning, this should have been a one-sided battle. A trained soldier with incredible, incredible size and strength, armor that weighed, if you add up the weight of the armor, probably around 200 pounds. And not only that, he had an assistant that brought a shield that would walk in front of him with this shield, just some extra protection. They would do that oftentimes in battle. They would have these guys standing out in front with shields to, to protect the soldiers from stray arrows because the, the enemy would just shoot these arrows up in the air into the enemy army. And so these, these shield carriers would go and protect them. And so here is Goliath, this massive man, 200 pounds of armor, a guy walking in front of him with an extra shield against David. with a sling and a few stones. But the world would soon find out what David already knew. God was more powerful than any giant. David ran toward Goliath. He killed him with one stone. Israel had the victory and God demonstrated his power. But you know, there was one more battle that David faced that day. And that's the battle with pride. See, oftentimes after a great victory, we fall hard because we begin to look at our own ability and we, can, we give ourselves the credit when it all belongs to God. And David won many more battles in his life because he rec recognized that victory came from God and God alone. Now, there were times that David did not win. And you will find that those times he looked at his own plans, trusted in his own strength. But when David defeated Goliath, he had victory not only that day, but in days to come. Why? Because he recognized the power and the victory came from God. Notice verse 47 once again. It says, Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. David had victories that day and beyond. Because he recognized the power of God. And there were many battles that day and David needed to win every single one of them in order to beat and defeat the giants. But what about my life? You know, I, I don't know that any of us are going to walk out of the church and see a big guy with 200 pounds of armor and a sword and a shield yelling at us. But we're all going to face giants this week. I guarantee it. 
How do we respond? How do we have victory over this giants that, face, that we face in our lives? Well, a few things I want us to consider that we need to equip ourselves with this week. First one is this, to act, to confront your problems. You see, instead of fighting the giant, Saul was busy looking for anyone else who would take on the fight. Instead of fighting the giant, Eliab was too busy fighting his little brother. Instead of fighting the giant, the Israelites were searching out places to hide. And when we try to ignore or pass off or hide from our giants, disaster will take place. It's interesting if you read it, verse 23. So Goliath had come up 40 days. And so they had a, a hill over here, a hill over here. The Valley of Elah was in between. Depending on where it was, how big it was, that's questions that, that they discuss, but whatever. And so it says that, you know, giant, that Goliath would come down in the middle. But in verse 23, it says that Goliath came nearer. I have a feeling every day that Goliath made the challenge he took a few steps closer to the Israelite camp what happens when we allow fear and other giants to control our lives they come in and they take residence we need to confront our fears not in our own power but if we don't the giants will move in and take residence secondly we need to remember to reflect on the past victories in our lives. We need to realize that God has given us victory after victory. He will continue to do so. David could overcome because he knew that God would continue to work in his life just as he had in the past. And we need to focus. We need to recognize our goals and priorities. Oftentimes we spend a lot of time focused on things that are not very important. David could have spent his time focusing on his critic and having an argument with his big brother. Instead, he focused on the giant that was really important, and that was the giant that was defying the armies of the living God. Recognize our goals, our priorities, and finally trust. Have confidence that God is in control of the situation and rely on him. The army of Israel would run and hide, but David could run toward Goliath. Why? Because he trusted God. He knew the victory was in God and God alone. Whatever your circumstances, whatever giants that you are facing today, you can trust God. You can rely on Him and know that He is with you when you battle the giants of your life. Fear not. For I am with you. God said that over and over to the nation of Israel. He, say, he would say, fear not. He would say, be strong and courageous. Why? Why do we not need to fear? Why can we be strong and courageous? Because we serve a God that's more powerful than any giant that we are or will face. Let's pray. Father, thank you. As Almighty God, that you love us, thank you for your faithfulness in the life of David and your faithfulness in our lives. Lord, help us to look to you. Help us not to be overcome by the Goliath, 
but rather to see that we serve a God that's stronger than any giant in our life. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.